You're now tuned into Underdog Talk Podcast with your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with a heroic heart, where we have conversations with successful underdogs. And today we have Pastor Norrell Taylor. How's it going? Man, it's going well, man. That's good. That's good. Let's get right on into it. So, how was it growing up in Harville? And then uh, we're... He, Indianapolis, uh, Harville's kind of a, a bad area. It's still a bad area. You know, he's a little, you can see he's a little older. He got the gray. So back then it was still bad. And it's a little, still a little wiser. Yeah, a little wiser. He's seasoned, as my mom would say. <laughs> but uh, how was it growing up as a child? How was your lifehood? Yeah, man, it was it was difficult. Um, Indianapolis, Indiana, you know, 46222. That's the zip code. Um, that's uh, funny. That's our, our ministry area now that we plan to intend. Uh, to um, go in and, and reach the community, but man, I guess man, the west side of Indianapolis, man, back 1985, um, mm. crack really, um, really destroyed our community, and it, it didn't bypass my home. You know, my mom, uh, you know, became a crack addict. Later, passed it down to my sister. She passed it down to her son, and so you know, being in that, um, you know, I was a part of that. I never actually did drugs but participated in activities around drugs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, man, uh, drug violence, all kind of stuff, man, in our community. And then we grew up somewhat poor, man. Uh, mother just got social security and um, grew up like that. So, say least, man, food was, it was a scarcity with food. Little bitty guy, man, bullied all the time in school, learned how to fight, learned how to, you know, channel that energy to athletics. But yeah, outside of that, man, just a tough upbringing um, came out the gutter, man, to where I'm at now. Mm, I totally understand some of that. Uh, where I'm from, uh, Michigan City, Indiana, like I, um, where my grandparents live, it was a lot of crack, or not crack, but drug, crackheads and mm-hmm. different stuff. So at a young age, I was seeing that stuff. So um, was your father present? No, nah, man, my father uh, died, man, at the age of six. And so he really wasn't in our lives. My mom. It was funny, man. It, it seemed to me that um, the Taylor family was going to be um, the typical American family. Um, you know, my dad and mom, uh, high school, little sweethearts and things of that nature, man. And um, just my sister and I. So you had the daughter, my older sister, two years older than me and and me. I'm the, I'm the third. And so I'm thinking, man, you know, I didn't know that at six as I retrospectively look back. I mean, it was the ideal family. And my dad, um, I guess, had mental challenges and issues and divorced my mom, moved on. And that created the riff of statistically, man, not having that, that father in the home, um, you know, destroyed the family, uh, left us unprotected. My sister, my mom, therefore led to, you know, a lot of molestation, a lot of, um, you know, bad relationships watching abuse and all that. So at six years old, my father died. Not sure what he died from. Some suggested was syphilis. Didn't know him, but at six years old, man, I'm fatherless. And my sister is uncovered as well. Mm. I definitely can um, relate. My father, my biological father passed when I was four. He passed of cancer. So I know how that is to kind of be young. You know, you might know your dad. You kind of do. You're still kind of young. And then, boom, he's gone. So I definitely understand that. So um, I did a little research. Um you used to, when you was wrestling, I was looking it up. You was in, you know, you say you channeled it to wrestling. And you, it was kind of good. You was kind of good. I, I looked at your record. So 
But it, I, when I was looking, it said Herb. So yeah. who was Herb back in the day? Who, yeah, who was man. that? Who was that? Yeah, so it really started, man. Um, you know, Herb, Herbie, uh, Herb, Love Bug. You know, <laughs> so yeah, my, my full name is Herbert uh, Norell Taylor um, the third. And so Herbert didn't really stick um, per se, um, and so it was Herb, you know, all the way and all the way up until you know graduating from high school. But most of the the females and most of my family members started calling me Norell. I started going by my middle name, and now I go by Pastor H. Norell <laughs> Taylor. And so I'm giving away secrets. But to to when I went to check out what my name actually meant, Herbert outside of wrestling. But it actually means ruler of a mighty army. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, man, being an under-shepherd of, of, of God's house, God's church, I feel God has made me somewhat a ruler of a mighty army. So it's, my name is somewhat prophetic, yeah. if you will. Yeah, so, man, yeah, wrestling, man, um, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was my thing, man. I wrestled. It kept me off the streets, man. Um, you know, Coach Goddard was my junior high coach. Um, I, I wanted to play basketball like most black guys. <laughs> I was pretty good, man. I, I was on the junior globe trotters uh, in in the sixth and seventh grade. I traveled and you know did a bit, did a bunch of stuff with the junior globe trotters and uh, loved basketball. Played on a, some a lot of teams, but I just didn't grow. <laughs> so <laughs> I shifted my my energy toward wrestling and uh, wrestled year round summer. Uh, I've traveled, man, just by sponsors. People sponsor me. Like I said, we were poor, man, and so. Coach Goddard, you know, uh, made sure I, I made it in his spaces. Um, Mark Mayer, um, his mom and dad, and um, Sean Kugel, his mom and dad, you know, they just made, these were white families, man, that made sure um, that I was going to have a successful, you know, loose wrestling career, if you mm-hmm. will. And so they, they're, if without them, man, that, that, that helped those those families, man, I'll never forget, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Mm. So you, uh, Without people that didn't look like you, because back then, uh, being black and then being white is like, nah, you don't really, you know, get along with each other. But it wasn't really about color. It was about them seeing your potential and understanding that you had some potential. You just didn't have the resources. And I think a lot of people back then didn't help others when they were able to. And still now, I mean, you still have people that help more nowadays, but Sometimes you got to help people no matter what they look like, who they are, if you can help them just because you never know how that can change their life. So <clears throat> you wrestled, it was like 91, 92, I think you graduated. Yes. And it's 2022 and you're number 11 on the percentage winning list at your high school. And I was I was like, oh, okay. So pastor, you know, he, he got down with the get down. I think you're... It was 83%, 83.17 is your percentage. It's somebody a little higher than you, but yeah. that's that's very good. That means you were you, you did your thing. So when it came to wrestling, because you, you really didn't hear, or I, I don't know too many people in high school mm-hmm. that wrestled. So how was that like training-wise? Like what did you have to do to be as good as you were? Like what was yeah. the... What yeah, the man, I think it's a... The, the main thing of wrestling uh, is more so of a mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's it's really three things, I say, that, that will make you a successful wrestler. Stamina, um, some strength, but ultimately situations or positioning. Mm-hmm. And so once I figured out that I could be stronger than a cat, I could have a little bit more endurance than a cat, 
But if I'm out of position um, and not in the right position and, and moving correctly, um, there's no way I could be top, you know, five athletes or wrestlers in the state. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the reasons why my percentage is, is low because I was just so small my sophomore year. For Ben Davis, they didn't have a freshman class. And so I came in my sophomore year weighing 92 pounds, mm. wrestling 103. And so for the most part, my wrestlers out there, they know normally people cut 20 pounds or whatever. So I'm weighing 92 soaking wet wrestling a guy who's cut 20 pounds to get to <laughs> 103. So mm-hmm. I'm wrestling a guy actually probably 30 pounds bigger than me uh, and competing. And so, yeah, my sophomore year was a little tough. I went, I think, 10 and 9. So that messed up my percentage. Mm, yeah, because that's half of, half of your losses. Yeah, that's right it there. right there. So, and But my junior year, I went 43 and 1 and lost my last two matches in the state semifinals. Yeah, I've seen, I, I seen um, that. I've seen that. And I actually gave up the win at the end because I didn't care about third and fourth. And then I did the same thing my senior year. Pretty much was like 30, 34 and 3. So those losses, the losses that I had, man, you know, they, they were against top one and two, you know, contenders, mm-hmm. you know, in the state. So, yeah, I was I was pretty decent, man, wrestling. But I think it was a mentality I had, man, and and was and, and really what made me, I think, a, a good wrestler was I saw, um, you know, Sean, Sean Dre, mm-hmm. um, Lee, she says this all the time myself, you got to see it before you can see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is so pertinent and powerful because I, I didn't see examples, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's very encumbering and imperative that as a father, as a, a leader, as whoever you are, uh, people are watching you and they need to see be able to see an example. And when I was a sophomore, I saw Sherman Woodard, mm-hmm. right? Um, he, he's now a counselor at Ben Davis High School, graduate of Purdue, very educated black man, strong black man, love him in life to this day. Um, I watched him um, his senior year, mm-hmm. and I just mimicked his his tenacity, his grit, his bullying on the mat. And I said, man, <laughs> I'm, man, I, if I could capsulate what I just watched this brother do, I'm going to go into this next year as Sherman Woodard. That's, that's what I said I was going to do. I said, I'm going in this year as Sherman Woodard. They're going to call me Herbie, but I'm Sherman Woodard. They don't even know. And I mimicked his tenacity. I packaged it up into my own stuff, moves that I had. Um, But my whole mentality was I was Sherman Woodard my junior year. And, uh, man, I remember I was 10-0, lost my first match in in the finals of county. I was in the finals of county. Lost my first match, and then I went on to rattle off and get all the way to the semifinals of state, forty three and one, number one mm. in the state. Mm. Um, just off of looking at him, I could see. I said, "Well, um, as Maya Angelou said, if uh, he's been made in the Imago Day in the image of God and has creative genius, um, I got it too." <laughs> and that's why to see it, you you got to see it in order to see it. Yeah. Right. Yep. And uh, that's been a, that's been my whole life. Whether I watch um, a father not having a father, um, I just saw what they did, packaged it up, said, I don't want to do that. And th- that I don't want to I wouldn't want to feel like that as a son. So let me do this as a father. That's how I learned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm preaching. 
got to see this. I, I saw it. Said, well, if, if he can do it, what did it what did it take for him or her to be able to step up, not um, being really sharp academically, because I wasn't a really strong student in high school. <laughs> um, and I think that wasn't because I lack intellect. I think I, I lack opportunity. Mm. And uh, you got to understand, going to school, I went to school every day hungry, mm. literally hungry every day. For the first and the fifth of every month, we had food. But by the sixth of the month, no food was in the house. I'm talking about no bread, no milk. Mm. Doc, I would go to my neighbors and say, "Can do y'all have any bologna? Do y'all have any, can I get two pieces of bread? Um, y'all got any chips? I would hang out at my friend's house, man, just to eat. I feel you. I they knew. They knew I was there just to eat. I'd play out. We would play outside, go in the house. I'd be sitting around, and they already knew. Sit down, little Herb. I know you want something to eat. And, uh, yeah, that's how it went, man. And so you imagine that, not being able to eat, not having an example, not having all of that. And so it was really no purpose for me to really want to do anything um, outside of what I had already experienced. It, it was, it was, I really didn't have the drive. I didn't have the focus. And so academics, mm-mm. the only thing that kept me off the streets and kept me in the classroom was I had to have a certain grade in order to do what I wanted to do. So wrestling really saved my life, man. That's, I, I like that because most of the time you hear someone, uh, a black young man talking about, football or basketball or something else that uh, helped you. And I totally understand when you said 92 pounds. I didn't get to being 100 pounds until 10th grade. And I <laughs> I wasn't even five foot until I was 10th grade. So I understand the, the stature of being small, but having the to intellect, the inner strength to, you know, overcome. Now, and what you said was you, you watched someone that was already winning. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people, you just watch people. You got to watch people that's winning because you could have watched maybe your friend Russell. He was a little older. You could have watched him. He was okie dokie and you could have went in and nothing would have happened. You would have been that same 10 and 9 person as the last year, but you went, watched the top guy and it wasn't like you was hating. You was like, hey, how, how you do this? Do, do, do. Or you just watching them so you can get better. And another thing you said was um, when it comes to being a father, you could have an example or you don't have an example. You got to be able to package it how it looks for you because yes. every child, every situation is different because you could have three children. Each one of them kids is different and you got to operate in a different pattern. Mm-hmm. So didn't do all that well in school. What was what was your goals at high school? What was it? What was it looking like for you? What did you want to do? Yeah, I think, man, uh, my wrestling coach, Tony Starks uh, and not, you know, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that this dude's name was Tony Starks. Mm-hmm. To somebody, so I said it to somebody, and they said Iron Man. I said, I said, wait a minute, that is Tony Stark. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize it was Coach Stark, Tony Starks, Iron Man. Uh, yeah, man. And so it wasn't until he told me, man, one time it was a summer um, that um, Steve Amos was shot and killed uh, right around the corner from my house, and and I used to hang with Steve Amos, and all of us hung together. You know, shout out to the Amos family. 
Um, and he got shot and killed um, that summer, 1991. He got killed that summer. And I, my coach told me that if if I don't get out of Hallville, I will I'll be dead. Mm. He told me that my sophomore year, and I enlisted in the military my junior year, uh, and went to basic training. While in basic training um, in um, South, not South Carolina, yeah, um, yeah, South Carolina, um, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Um, I got the report back that, that Steve Amos was killed, man. Mm. And I would have been there that summer if I had not left. Um, and it just impacted me so much that I realized, man, if if I didn't work hard enough to be able to have the grades to get into some level of higher academia, um, I, I could be the next young black man killed out here. Because mm. um, I've had drive-bys on my home. Um and ending up just crazy stuff, man. And so I knew I needed to come come up with some type of plan to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so I had two plans at that time. I had the military and then I had wrestling. And so I knew I was going to go to college on either one. So academically, didn't have the grades to go to a particular division one. I had the skill set to probably wrestle at a division two, but I was still too small. In my my senior year, I wrestled 112. Mm. The lowest weight in college is 118. And once <laughs> again, these rascals are dropping down 30 pounds to be 118. So I'm gonna wrestle somebody 150, and I'm a little bitty one, you know. So you know, and that's gonna be a whole different thing. Yeah. And so I knew I needed to grow and mature again. Um, but yeah, man, I think that folk the focus of my junior and senior year, I strapped up and said, okay, I got enough credits. Um, I didn't have a good study habit, uh, didn't feel confident in myself academically, but I knew I had some type of intellect without mm-hmm. going home, doing homework, reading, rep- doing nothing. I studied, never studied ever in high school. Never. I never studied. Still got out with like a 2.2. Mm-hmm. Um, got out that piece enough to go to, to Grand Rapids Community College and wrestle for about a semester before I, I came home. And so here's a transitional piece, too, that I know you'll probably ask about the father piece is that during that time, man, I had um, got a sister pregnant, uh, Jody Wilson, uh, my junior year. Mm. Uh, and so she was pregnant my junior year. And by the time I got back from the military, um, I'm looking at my son being born uh, February uh, 1991, mm. um, you know, February 18, 1991. And so Cordero man, um, uh, Darwin Taylor is born. I got a whole son um, as a junior. Mm. And so with him, I realized um, that once that he came into the world, I realized I'm, I'm going to need to shift some stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, even though I graduated, um, went to college immediately, wrestled, was in the military at the same time doing National Guard stuff, and then wrestling, and then in school, I realized, man, I needed to get back to Indianapolis because my son needed me to, you know, and so at that time, he's roughly two, one on two, so that's what kind of brought me back to Indianapolis, but I I didn't go back to Hallville, you know, I kind of moved out of that space and tried to get away from that, but um, that drug life and the streets still were calling me. And mm-hmm. so 
Um, even though I was, you know, in school, working, uh, military, uh, still hustling, you know, out in the streets. And so I did that for probably for about three or four years, you know, um, before the Lord got a hold of me. So you got a, a son, you, you know, you had dream, not dreams, but you had goals to either go, you know, you went to the military wrestle and you realized you had to, you had a bigger responsibility than what you thought you were going to do. So when you came back, were you like active immediately or did it take something to get you or how, how was that relationship once you got back with your son? Yeah, man, I think it, um, it was a tension between didn't know if he was mine or not, you know, initially. Um, but, um, her, his grandmother didn't want me to sing, you know, it's a long backstory with that. But so I just went down to the city county building, man, and, uh, ordered a blood test, put myself on child support, um, saying I need my son. He needs me in his life, whether his grandmother want me to or not. And so I forced that piece to where now I could get visitations on the weekends because his mother was young, man. I was 17, um, 18. She was, she was 16, um, or 17, 17, 16, 18, 17, you know? And mm -hmm. so she was young, man. And so her mother was still like, she's 17. She ain't grown yet or whatever. She got a whole little two year old and all that. And, um, it, it turned into a space to where, um, I knew I needed to just go ahead and put myself on child support. Yeah. Um, and get those visitations. And that's what I did, man. And, uh, yeah, I just started getting him. I remember the first day I picked him up. He's like two years old. And I, you know, not just seeing him as a baby and kind of growing up and going over every now and again. She's sneaking him out the house, letting me see him. But it was like, nah, he's like one and a half. And now I'm, I, I remember taking him to the mall <laughs> and just buying him some Jordans and, and all kind of stuff and walking him through the mall. And uh, this is my little shorty, man. I'm only 18 and walking a little shorty. And uh, that's when fatherhood began, you know, that I'm, hey, look, um, he's just steady looking up at me. And the whole <laughs> time I'm looking down at him, he's looking up at me. And he that's been going on for 30 years. Look, I'm looking down at him, he's <laughs> looking up at me. That's the same thing's been going on <laughs> 30 I, years. <laughs> I totally understand, understand that look. CJ gave me that look. Yeah. So... You 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 did everything you um, was supposed to. A lot of guys you don't hear that though. Put yourself on child support because you know <clears throat> the system ain't for the. It's not for the men. It's more so for the women. So if you're not on child support and you not and you not cool with the um, mother of your child, it's gonna be hard if you got to go through that or if you got family members doing crazy stuff. Um, luckily, I never had to go through you know that kind of thing um, with Christian's mom, but. So now you you active. Now what what now what you doing with your life? No more wrestling, the military gone. What 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 happens in the next, you know, few years after you come home, you in your son's life. Now you got to, you know, becoming a real adult and mm -hmm. get a job, get a crib, all that type of stuff. Yeah, man. So the transition is when I came back and quit somewhat college and just quit Grand Rapids and wrestling and just said I'm done with wrestling. <laughs> It was hard for me to just say I'm done with wrestling because that, that was my identity. Mm -hmm. But then I came back, went to IUPUI. I knew I needed to pluck away college courses. I don't know why my drive was so strong just to continue to take a course. Mm -hmm. I never stopped taking courses. Um, just immediately rolled at IUPUI. The military was paying for it with the GI Bill. I was in the National Guard. 
And so I stayed in the military um, for nine years. I didn't get out of the military until mm-hmm. two, to, uh, 2000, right okay. before 9-11. Okay. So I was there nine years, um, honorable discharge, all that, disabled vet now. But when I came back, IU, um, working, taking care of my son, just all the way legit. But during that time, I lost a few jobs, got caught up, and then I got caught up in the drug game. And I did that for about two years, you know, um, and, and was really successful doing that stuff. That's when I realized I had an entrepreneurial spirit, <laughs> right? Because it was like, yo, what's the, uh, it was mathing. <laughs> this math was mathing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. Uh, but it's funny because my sister and my mom, uh, were destroyed by this particular, you know, drug. And I'm out here doing it. Hypocrisy at its finest. And so here was a trans. Here, here's the um, transitional turning, really, of my whole life. Is that um, I'm at drill. It's 1996. I'm at National Guard drill, and it's being reported that for the first time in a hundred years. The Indiana National Guard is going to be deployed mm. um, to Bosnia Herzegovina, Operation Joint Endeavor. I volunteered to go. I don't know why. <laughs> um, somebody told me they're going to give us an extra fifty thousand if we went. I believed them, um, and I said, "So I get paid, and they're going to give me an extra fifty thousand. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go." <laughs> so you know, um, I, I called. My baby's mom at the time. At this time, I got Herbert. Herbert's um, was born in '96, so he's Herbert's roughly like six months old at the time. So mm-hmm. I got Cordero. Um, he's um, I'm thinking what '96, so he's like six or seven, five or six. And then Herbert's born in '96, so he's he's six months old. Um, and so me and his mom were together like seven years, and uh, I call her and say I'm going to going to war. <laughs> like what yeah I'm, I'm going over. <laughs> so yeah so long story short man I get over travel uh, get over to Bosnia Herzegovina mm. and uh, my man Willie Brox you know he's our treasurer at New mm. Living Bible Church right now been with me day one and when we started New Living Bible Church he, he was one of my first members matter of fact he's one of the first members that came and helped us open up our bank account and so the whole time traveling over there, Willie is saying, come to church with me, trying to get me to go to church with him. When he went to church along the way at some spots, we get over to Bosnia. He says, man, go to church with me. I said, man, okay, I'm going to go. So mm-hmm. I get up in the, I get up and go with him on Sunday morning. I'm sitting there minding my own business, and the preacher just preaches no more excuses. I said, what in the mess is going on? <laughs> and I felt, I felt, man, like it, it, it was a bunch of people in that piece. I said, this, this this brother talking to me directly. I, I didn't know what was going on, brother. I said, my God. And, uh, man, all I know is I got up in tears, lifted my hands, received the Holy Ghost, Doc, and, um, and just confessed Christ. You know, he told me, man, confess Christ, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, all that stuff. You know, and instantaneously, man, I got it all, man. God, the Spirit. All that, um, and that changed the trajectory of my life. I felt completely different. I felt um, redeemed. I felt forgiven, right? And um, and so that that started my journey, man. Just people just pouring in me and discipling me. And over that nine month period, 
you know, I got CDs from Jeffrey Johnson, Eastern Star Church, where Willie gave them to me. And that's why I learned um, expository preaching and began to, once again, I had to see it in order to see it. At that moment, I'm hearing it in order to, to see it, right? I'm mm-hmm. hearing it. And uh, I'm listening to this this guy preach. It was Jeffrey Johnson in 1996. You ever go back and listen to any of his sermons in 1996? And I mean, this brother was a, a genius. He still is uh, my favorite preacher. Just a homiletical genius. And uh, man, I, I, I listened to him. I said, I didn't know what alliterations were at the time, but I said, every, every word um, he's using, like if he, he got a P starts with every point, then he got a T start with every point, and it's an I start with every point. Then he opens up with the same prayer. As you notice, I do my same prayer mm-hmm. uh, every time I begin to preach. And I said, I found out, you know, what's the purpose of that? I try to tell my young preachers that they need to do that too, because they don't need to be praying altar prayers right before they preach. They just need to ask God what they want him to do specifically in that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted when I sight, Lord, be my strength and my redeemer. I said, wow, that's what he said that every time. Come on, say that same prayer. I said, wow, I never heard past preachers do like that. And just with intellectual genius, I said once again, if he can do that, we can. Yeah, go right back to Sherman Woodard. Goes back to Jeffrey Johnson. Goes back to, you know, Freddie Haynes. You know, it goes, whatever. I'm looking, saying E.V. Hill. Whatever. I'm just saying, you got to see it to see it. And uh, that became you know, the transitional piece for me, you know, coming back from Bosnia. So when I got back home from Bosnia, uh, my life had changed, man. I got back and uh, all my clients, <laughs> they, 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 they was like still waiting on the brother. It was over. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and I got back, man. And, 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 uh, my whole, um, thought life and worldview had changed. I realized that even in 96, those nine months of being away from the United States and then getting back into these yet-to-be-United States, divided states, if you will, of America, man, um, that was my preparatory ground, man. All that pain and all that trauma and all that molestation that happened when I was nine and and uh, mother on crack, dad dying at six, all this stuff, man, being in a, a tough neighborhood, uh, being in a predominantly white school with white friends who love me, that that protected me from hating white people, right? Mm-hmm. And even racism was there, but I have so many white folk <laughs> that, that loved me and still love me today. And it, I wouldn't be who I am, you know, mm-hmm. without Mr. Cubel, you know, Sean yeah. Cubel's dad getting me into the military. And so, man, it's just, I, you know, and so that shaped me to now where I'm at today. Um you know, planting had has pl- successfully planted a multicultural, multi-ethnic ministry, all nations, all tribes, and tongues, and the living. So that's what brought me here today. Mm. So, if it wasn't for Willie, it might be no new living. It might not be us sitting here and having this conversation. So shout out to uh, Willie for that. You need friends like that to push you to what you don't know, what you what you don't see. Cause sometimes people see things in you that you don't even see. And he was just being a friend, like, come on, man, I go to church. You come on to church with me. And boom, God was right there. So, yeah, he told me, man, I'm going to interrupt you. He mm-hmm. told me later, man, that he, he had always saw greatness in me. He mm-hmm. told me that. 
and you know you never know who's watching you. That goes back again. Um, that he had been watching me all those years um, in in the National Guard. Just saw my leadership. Saw just saw me as a person, and he saw beyond um, and what what I could see. You know, and uh, man, yeah, that, that's why he wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, and um, we get over there. He, you know, he man, you gotta go church with me, and and that turns into now. Um, I'm serving him as his pastor. Yeah, I mean, just the story is just so providential. Like God literally placing this person that, that beside me that will not stop yeah. until. You know, I get to a place to meet God. And it wasn't church. It was like, get to a place. You got to get to a place where you where you can meet God. Yep. Right? And it was it was crazy. And I just went back and remember all of the mile markers of him asking me. And I think Sergeant Jones, um, the first, I, I, and I remember this too. We When we were leaving, just this quick story, when we were getting ready to deploy, and I remember that later after God called me, you know, after God called me home and, and, and I, I started walking with the Lord, um, I remember, I said, dang, um, when we were when we were preparing our, our uh, wheels mm-hmm. and living wheels and, and, and our trust and all this stuff um, before we, because you got to do all this stuff before you leave. So if you die, you people get the money and all this stuff. And I didn't have one else set up. So they set you up when you get deployed. And I remember sitting outside waiting to walk in and Sergeant Jones, he said, um, are you ready to die? He asked me that. Now, I didn't know later. He's a Christian. I was actually in his wedding and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was over there at the time, too, man. Going, to, he, he wasn't stationed with us, so he couldn't he couldn't be, go to church with us. But he was he was a Christian. And I remember he that was the first time God was was using that moment. He said, are you ready? To... Mm, I, I, was, I was like, I don't, I don't really think yeah, I'm ready. No, I get it. And that's what I'm doing is will. So if I, we don't make it back, somebody going to get paid out here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I remember he said that. And later on, I... And but I remember the whole time, brother Eric. After he said that to me, I felt like I was going to die. <laughs> the whole time. But mm-hmm. watch this, and I and as I look back over it, I did. Yep. I died, you know, over in Bosnia. The old me died. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came back, it was a new me, man, and it was it was true new. Yeah, yeah, and it uh, like you said, you never know who's watching you. Um, you never know who sees what potential that you have to push you to, you know, being your greatness or being wherever you're supposed to be. Because <clears throat> just to invite you to church, God was able to talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. say you, no, no, I ain't going to go. And you you missed out on your opportunity because God was waiting for you. It wasn't, you weren't necessarily like in a church building or the, all that. It was just hearing the word. And it was like, hey, come on, I need to holler at you. you, you mm-hmm. That old you, you know, we got to put that away. So you get back and really... What who was or did you have an example? Um, like father figure, your friends, father, somebody you saw in your neighborhood, or was it you just kind of trial and error it? Yeah, basically, man, it was really just some church folk. You know, mm-hmm. as I started not having a father, that created a lot of church hurt for me because I started trying to make people in church be that I wanted. You know, once I started reading the Word of God, and it was saying stuff like family, brothers and sisters in Christ. I was like, hold on, hold on, family, brothers and sisters. We 
Army of God. And I said, oh, that makes sense. I'm in the Army. Everybody moves over in the Bosnia. Everybody had on BDUs. All I had on these Army gear, fighting stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm with this. I'm in the Army. I'm all about athletics. I'm about team. Teamwork makes the dream work. I'm all that. And so I'm looking at the church to reflect all of that. And it wasn't. And so it was extremely disappointing because I was I was wanting my pastor to be the father. And at the time, he ain't set, he wouldn't set up like that at Mount Island Missionary Baptist Church. Dr. Wayne Harris, rest, rest in peace with him. Watched him preach and teach. I joined that church because that was the church in Hallville. And I felt like God was calling me to be still in Hallville with those relationships. And all my former friends I knew and people who were saved were in Mount Island, were at going, you know, attending Mount Island Baptist Church. And uh, yeah, man, I just started looking for man to be examples. And then that was my first experience, per se, of seeing, um, you know, some homosexuality stuff in church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, still knowing that the church was still loving at the time. It wasn't a con- condemning church, you know, and knew that I didn't, I didn't understand that then, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, and so some churches were really dogmatic, but Mount Olive wasn't necessarily like accepting, but they wouldn't kicking them to the curb. And so um, I saw that, but then at the same time, I saw men um, not being men and then women, um, you know, being one thing in church and not in church. And so it just became a, it was confusing because when in Bosnia, that was like, we were really like, they was really doing church. It really was nothing else there. Mm-hmm. But when I got home and, and joined church, it was just really hard to find an example. But um, I ended up finding a guy, Tommy, and... Um, and him and his wife, can't remember her name right now, um, but they they initially saw something in me, man, and pulled me close, um, got me in some leadership stuff. And, uh, you know, I got saved in 96, and God called me to preach in 97. Mm. So I told my pastor, I was like, you know, I'd already been prophesied over when I was in Bosnia by my pastor. He said, man... Don't nobody study the word, like read the word like you and ask all these questions like you. I was just inquisitive, man, and just was asking questions. How does this axiom get floating? You know what I mean? Tell me. I mean, <laughs> brother, axioms don't float. How did how the mess? So you said Samuel tied all them things, them boxes up, and they ran across the field on fire. How did, what the mess? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, I had all these questions. And, you know, how did the stone move away? And they thought it was two angels, then one angel. I was just asking all this stuff. And I was on apologetics and asking. And then that turned into uh, when I get in Bo- get home from Bosnia, I'm in Mount Olive. I go to my pastor and I said, "Man, I believe the Lord is calling me to preach." He said, "How do you know that?" I said, "Man, I read Second Second I think Second Timothy, um, chapter four, and it was something like like it, the guy said, preach the word in season, out of season, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry." And and I said, I felt like the Lord said to me, preach the word, and he said, "Good answer. Come up in my office next Sunday." I go up in the office, and they, that was my journey. He he put me in the office and uh, with the other preachers, and then I started seeing what they did before service. And so I'm in there. They watching. They in there joking. You know, somebody's directed to preach. I mean, directed to do the prayer, lead the service. I'm sitting in there, bro. They watching. Um, old boy from Ohio. I forget his name. White brother. He was young then. He was preaching. He's killing it. That's who Harris would watch, I guess, before he go, would go preach. He had him on. I'm just sitting there looking, I'm looking at them, just, you know, then we walk out in a line, you know, to get in, get up in the, get up on the, mm-hmm. get up on the stage, behind the pulpit and all that. And, uh, yeah, so I did that for like three or four months. And then I finally preached my first sermon in 1998 on Mother's Day. 
Mm. And my mother was there. Mm. You talking about a crackhead and, and 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 so, you know, my family won't admit it now, but um nobody was going to church, Brother Eric. Not one person. Brother Taylor gets saved. Everybody going to church now. You know what I'm saying? I, I just like my uncle going. He went from, he went from smoking weed and, 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 and doing hip hop rap to changing his whole record label to basic records. Brothers and sisters in Christ. He gets saved. <laughs> my mother girl like to Christ. My sister are going to church. My ex girls get baptized. I mean, my cousin starts going. Everybody starts going in the family. My little my little cousin Lily start going. So, you know, I, I felt man that the Lord really used. Uh, my life at that moment to, to set an example for some people in my family. So you really didn't have, you had examples, but you didn't have examples, but you became the example for your family mm-hmm. because sometimes it takes that one person. I think a lot of times like with your friends, with your family, it takes that one person out the crew, out the family to do something and they see, oh, that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's go try it out. He tried mm-hmm. it out and that's good that you were able to, you know, help your family because, as you said, y'all, you know, you didn't have a good upbringing. Things was going wrong in the home. Things was going, you know, wrong in life just because of the area you lived in. And you able, your friend Willie able to invite you to church. Now your whole family's in the church. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you're in the church. You're, you're moving and grooving. You're starting to preach and everything. So do you get like your own church are you still under somebody and then uh go into uh like what fatherhood was like with teenage like as your sons got a little bit older like how was that for you yeah so basically the ministry uh was uh it it corresponded you know it was tethered together so it was ministry and family but it was um yeah man you, you you watching um Steady watching folk preach your first sermon, you know, feel like you did really well. Um, and that's where some church hurt happened because at that point I just kind of wanted more um, from my pastor and, and he, he couldn't. And so I realized I needed to probably get to a space where somebody would treat me, you know, in as a, as a son in the ministry for real. So that's when I left my knowledge and went to uh, Corinthians uh, with, with Pastor um, Terry Webster. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I learned how to pray through him and found my big bro, uh, who's my big brother today, Moore Shelton. Still to this day, 20 years later, 20 plus years later, uh, Moore Shelton, you know, my big bro. You know, he calls me little little brother, little baby brother. He calls me baby brother. I call him big bro. And, uh, yo, man, learned to pray through that. He became an example for me of prayer, of a married man, um, of a father. And uh, watch how he flowed, IPL worker. Um, so I'm watching this. I'm like, man, okay, here's a, here's a big bro. I got like a big brother. And then I got like a father per se in ministry with pastor, uh, Terry Webster and just watching him preach and his fire, his passion, uh, his, him being an example, you know, with, as a, as a husband and as a father as well, watching him, how he flowed in church, how he tr- treated his wife, how he treated his kids thorough, but loving, just watched all that, man, and I just mimicked it and watched it. And so at that point, I said, okay, cool. Watch how they did church. Watch how they dressed. Watch how they talk. Watch how they walk, you know, and became little June bug, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we going to Dallas, traveling, doing all that. And so, you know, those are the, the, the great things. And uh, I have decided to not even, like, um, think through the trauma 
of Mount Olive and how I felt and was hurt. And then even, uh, you know, New Corinthians now with uh, Pastor Terry Webster, because if I hadn't, if I never met him, I wouldn't be who I am today. And so I'm done with that piece of um, balancing out the hurt, but the help, if you will. Right. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm more so saying, OK, um, who am I because of him? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and if I never met him, um, would I preach like I preach? Would I pray like I pray? Would I have a fire like I have? Would I um, be who I am today without Pastor Webster and, and, and Dr. Harris? No. And so I'm eternally indebted and grateful uh, for knowing them and meeting them. And so from there, I end up leaving Corinthians. And at the time, Nicole, my wife and I, we went and, and went to Solid Word. Because at this point, check this out, and I'll just say this real briefly. I'm on a journey at this time just, just taken from people. This mm -hmm. is what I mean. I'm, I'm taken from people. I take Pastor Harris's uh, charisma, his intellect, his genius, two doctor degrees in philosophy, so he, know, he knew how to work the crowd. I mean, I never heard him... <laughs> barely give a title he just he just get up and sing and kill it and use his intellect and just everybody fall all over the floor i just was like i don't even know what the mess going on <laughs> then i went to terry webster and he wouldn't he wasn't an intellectual giant uh he wasn't like he you know he's now he, i think he's got his doctorate degree but um at the time he was just man just passionate powerful uh entrepreneur leader prayer warrior, powerful man of God. And I'm just looking like, man, so I got Harris, I got him. And then I already had Jeffrey. So I had Jeffrey from, from nine, nine months of listening to him. Mm -hmm. So I already got my exposition. I already got my, I already know how to formulate my sermons. Then I got this, this dude, Dr. Harris. Then I got, then I got, um, uh, Terry Webster. I'm like, I got all them. And so at that moment I became a conglomerate uh, of all of them in one. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I tell far I ain't no original. I ain't no original. <laughs> I'm a conglomerate of many. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and so yes. that's it. Yeah, I'm a mix. I'm a conglomerate of many, Doc. And so, you know, I, I looked at all that. Boom, boom, boom. Grabbed all that. Took from him. Chris Shelton, my big bro, took from him as, prayer, as a prayer warrior. And then I finally got the icing on the cake when I went to Solid Word. Because now I get this intellectual genius. And Pastor Troy Smith, mm -hmm. and just a a phenomenon um, to me, um, just just his memory, his recall of things, um, and just his leadership, and and now I'm behind the scenes looking how to do counseling, looking how to do, um, you know, premarital, postmarital, looking how to lead a staff, um, and then I get an opportunity to come on staff. And uh, that started the trajectory. So you got all these men who shaped me and molded me. And what you see today is them. That's mm -hmm. the crazy thing. Good, bad, and ugly. All of them had, I had bad situations with them. And if you think about it mostly, I would agree. I would acknowledge today, I'm not lying, that most of the struggle was me. Mm -hmm. I'm the one hurt. I'm the one fatherless. I'm the one don't understand relationships. Um, I'm the one taken from them. I'm the one that need them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, as I look at that today in my life in church today, um, you know, I, I, I know that a lot of that, some people may even blame me like I did. 
mm-hmm. right? That they need from me, yeah. right? And then they, when they hurt and all that, because they need a father, they need a good preacher, they need a passionate example, they need all this. And it was just like me, and you get hurt when they let you down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You get hurt. But if you really look at, did they make you better yeah. by meeting them? Yeah. Did Pastor Harris make me better? Did did listening to and, and connecting with um, you know, Pastor Johnson um to this day? Yeah. Like, did these brothers, Pastor Terry Webster, did he make me better? Yes. You know, and so when I look at all that, man, um, and then to, you know, eleven years later from leaving Solid Word in 2009 and starting the church with no money, no members, no nothing. And Pastor Smith telling me, man, go out there and fly. It's time for you to go. Do your thing, man. God got you. I got your back. And I still felt hurt. I feel I still, I felt abandoned. I felt like he didn't have my back. No matter how he did it, that didn't have anything to do with him. It was me. Yeah. I'm the one that didn't have a father. I'm the one that didn't have these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, no matter what he did, I'm a blame him. Yeah. I hurt. You, you see what I'm saying? And you yeah. got to heal from that piece, man. And I'm at a better place today to realize that um, that it wasn't him. Um, he didn't have to be perfect. But I'm talking about, man, paid bills for us when we left. Three, three months severance. Members of the church came and helped us. He let them come, you know. Um, man, and, and New Living is where we're at today because of those men. And primarily because of my father in the ministry. Um, Troy, Troy Smith, man, you know, that's, that's what, that's where I'm at today because of them. And those are men and fathers that became examples, you know, that now they, they're in me today. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, it's crazy because, and, and I'll say this and be quiet. My kids would see them in me. Mm hmm. Every they they would every you could I'm telling my son right now I preach and my son be like that's Pastor Webster <laughs> you know what I'm saying? and I'm like I, I don't sound like him per se that they 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 would see him manifest in me mm-hmm. as I'm preaching mm-hmm. they would see man that's Jeffrey as I'm preaching right they was that's that's Pastor Smith as I'm preaching as I'm ministering or as I'm counseling and it was them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I was mimicking per se them, but as Jeff, as Freddie Haynes said, and people see Freddie in me now too, uh, is that that it's nothing wrong with being a copycat, as long as you're copying the right cat, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That that's very true. You you said some stuff there because it was making me think. As I'm sitting here, a lot of times people uh, blame others because of their own hurt, and they don't realize that they're hurt until maybe years down the road or when they get some counseling or when they get some healing because a lot of times people hurt you as a child or things happen as a child and it takes and it goes along with you as an adult and you don't realize it like like you said all those men added value in your life if they didn't add value then okay we can have a different kind of conversation but since they added value you took whatever value and now it's in you and now whoever follows you gonna get examples of great men because you were able to copy a cat that was actually doing good. A lot of times we copy um, growing up in like Hallville or where I'm from. We copy hustlers. We copy uh, drug dealers. We copy basketball players. We copy the typical thing, but you started copying men that were showing you how to be a a man. Because a lot of times when you don't have a father, you might see somebody that's a man, but they're not a, a man that's like... 
because as men, we're told to not be soft and not show emotion and mm-hmm. all those different things. But when you actually see a man and he's taking care of his household, he's a husband, he's he's working, he's in the ministry, it helps you understand, okay, I got a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Or, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been mad at such and such back in the day because... I didn't know no better. Mm-hmm. So that that's a great example for those that are listening. And it's not just for men, for women too. You got to get around people that will show you where you want to be. Every single person that I heard you say was where you wanted to be, yes. especially in the ministry. So mm-hmm. you got around people that was that's been down the street so they could tell you, no, don't make that left turn right, right there. Keep that's straight. Right. That's right. So that, that's, that's, that's good. And then even at the end, you even said your sons, because obviously you had them around you when you were mimicking and studying and uh, those other men. Now they got great men in their life that they can maybe go have a conversation with because you can't always just be a dad to your kid. You got to put other people around them. But just for them to notice Dad, that ain't even you, man. That's 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 you know that's mm-hmm. aunt, that's that's Pastor Taylor. That's mm-hmm. whoever it was. That's a good example of putting your kids in the right environment, especially early, especially young black men. Yes, because you could have a dad, but your dad might be a street guy or whatever he does, and he's taking you with him. You gonna follow that example? Yes. You gonna you gonna go down that wrong path? But you got a dad. You might oh my dad get on my nerves, but you remember him taking you to church or you remember him and taking you somewhere positive um and putting those seeds in you and adding value at a young age because i know your sons and i can tell that you are active that you um that you didn't play and that you set them up for success because all your kids are very successful in their own right and that's i I love to see that and uh it kind of made me think like uh about you said um when you look for somebody because when I went to church, my best friend's dad was the preacher, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like a father figure. So when I started to go to church after, co- like in college, I was kind of looking for that. I went to um, the first church was here. It was New Life, and New Life was too big for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, nah, this too big. I'm like a number in here. I don't get to talk to the pastor. And then I think it's when I first met Tiana, we were going to Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel. And Pastor Daryl Webster. Daryl Webster. Webster. Yeah. Webster, yeah. 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 So the, shout out to the Webster family. Yeah. Webster family in the house. Yeah, yeah. Webster family in the house. Daryl Webster, one of the examples too, man. Yeah. He's definitely. And yeah, he, he is. And he had a uh, men's boot camp. Yeah. That boot camp powerful, boy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He was, was in that. I remember you talking. Yeah, he was in that yeah, piece. Yeah. Yeah. And it was 545 in the morning. I'm like, okay, I don't know about yeah, don't this know about 545, 545, but just for him, yeah. like going to the church and him actually talking to me, I'm like, let me go check with the, mm-hmm. check this out. And mm-hmm. I still have relationships with some of those men. I still have a relationship with him. When he see me, he's excited to see me, ask me how I'm doing. So I definitely found that because, mm-hmm. like, I was looking for that um, from, from a shorty and seeing, like, my best friend, his dad. Like, I remember his dad. I was cutting up in school. My mom took me to that office, and I was in there crying. He ain't whooped me, none of that. He just had a conversation. And sometimes mm-hmm. you got to have those conversations that add value where you think the person is wrong. They, you know, are uh, you just trying to, you know, make me feel a certain way, but they're adding value. Cause without yes. that conversation, I probably wouldn't have graduated cause I was on the wrong path mm. uh, at that time. Um, so now you got the church and I remember the first time it was, the church has already started, but it was still kind of new. Um, we lived around the corner from the church and y'all had, 
uh, uh, community, a neighborhood, like a Phantom Fest. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speak. He he um he rap. Rashad. Pastor Rashad, Rashad. Cuttingham. Yeah, shout, shout out, out my son out. in the ministry. My son is my Big boy. Bro. My yeah. first, my first born. Yeah, and I remember hearing him rap. I was like, okay, what's this? And we went to the church, and you was like the coolest pastor I probably seen <laughs> in a minute because I. I don't think you had J's on the like one of the first time you had the J's, you had a polo, you was kind of dressed down, and I was like, I don't never really, see, you don't really see that in church. And then like we were able to, you kind of can dress casual, and I'm like, I like this church because I can be me. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like you said before, a church can be judgmental. Yes. I, I might only got flip flops, a hoodie, and some sweats. Yes. I, I want to go to church though, but people will look at you different. Yes. But when I came to New Living, it was like, okay. They accepting it was a little different because mm-hmm. I grew up in a all black church, but then you got multicultural church, but then you got you leading, and I'm like, this dude is cool. You look young, and and we've been rocking with y'all ever since. I think we might have went to Emmanuel for a short period of time um, through there, but we, you know, we came back. Uh, you married me and um, Christian's mom, and I, I like, I see the the progress and talk about. You know, the church, you said you had no members, no money, no none of that. And fast forward to now and what's going on with the church and upcoming with the church. Yeah, man. So we go from no members, no money, no nothing to an open house in 2009. Two open houses, 80 people came both times. Uh, Pastor John, Money, and Kira. Uh, money, man, um, two uh, white, white persons, a white family were the first um, white family um, to commit to helping us. Uh, they bred. They they brought um, a few white families with them, man, uh, and just automatically had our church day one with um, Nigerians, um, Ivory Coast folk, Haitians, Black, White, Hispanics. Already day one, we probably day one we had like eleven nations represented in our church mm. in two thousand ten when we finally launched our first pre launch service. And so Zoom now, you looking at twenty. 22 through COVID, uh, 2020 was one of our high, highest um, in from January 2020, January, February, and March was our highest attended service. Uh, we were thinking about going to two services. Um, our giving was crazy. We had just left our warehouse and, and was at Claremont Christian Church and was in a good rhythm because we were looking to stay here for a season at Claremont Christian Church and and uh, buy some land or buy a property or, you know, go to ownership. We knew there was one more step we needed to take, but it, we were there. And uh, COVID came through and the government shut down, you know, couldn't have 100 people. And then the next week, 50. And then two days later, <laughs> it said you can't have 10. And we said, it's over. <laughs> and so 2020, first time in human history, church shuts down. Now, you got to mind you, 1996, I get saved. I'm in church. All I know is church. I don't, I don't, and it, that bothers me to, to this day. I don't see how you can't be in God's house. You see what I'm saying? And so when that happened, I'm like, dude, I've been in this, this 2020. Not only have I just sold out to this thing but I'm actually an under shepherd in God's house and it shut down for the first time and so that was an emotional deal and at the same time I'm having marital struggles um, you know which Nicole and I have been struggling for the last three years and it was like man so 
churches shut down, marriages is, is really bad in this season. Uh, and so I go through all of that and we come out of 2020, hit 2021, finally start coming back to church. People start gathering. We go from, you know, not just online, um, but also in person. And so um, make it through 2021. Now we're in 2022. I have to go into the second uh, Sunday in 2022. The cool thing about where we're at now, it's unprecedented. It's unfamiliar. It's it's a lot of, it's a level of uncertainty. Um, but as as Jeff Foxworthy said, um, anxiety is um, contemplating God or the future without God, right? And so I, I don't want to do that in this season. I, I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's omnipresent. He's in the past, present, and future. God has already made a way. And so, you know, last year, New Living closed in 2021 through COVID, through members leaving, through political unrest, through people leaving for Trump in our church, um, instead of, you know, staying for us, loving mm-hmm. a, a party instead of, um, you know, their pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that was really extremely hurtful. Um, but in through all of that, man, our church stepped up to the plate. And through COVID, through um, scattering, uh, man, we were able to close on 15 acres of land, mm. um, you know, right off of Guyon, right back to 46222, mm-hmm. right, where, where, where I basically matriculated out of, and now I'm, in, I'm matriculating back into, right, mm-hmm. for some more learning mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in, in, the, in the 46222. So on Guyon, 34th and Guyon, man, we got 15 acres of land. Uh, we was able to do a little community fan fest out there. Didn't really get the bite we wanted, but we were out there and, uh, you know, had a great um, little outing, barbecue, did some things. And so I'm excited, man, about the future um, of our church. 15 acres of land. Um, the cool thing about that is, too, man, that got financed through the owner of the land. He financed mm-hmm. that for us. So we didn't have to get a loan from a bank that helps us later to, you know, finish our architectural work and prayerfully break ground at some point. But yeah, man, I'm excited, man. We we don't have the 15 nations represented, but we still got nations. Uh, we're still a church that's manifesting heaven on earth. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue seeks, sharing, and serving, and uh, we're going to continue to do that, man. Um, and, and trust God in the season. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 amazing because, like you said, COVID hit. We ain't never seen stuff shut down. Can't do nothing. And then for those of us that like to go to church that used to go into church. You can't go to church, online church. You kind of, it's not the same. And then you try to find, even, you know, you listen to your pastor, you try to find, you know, listen throughout the week and different stuff. And it's, it don't hit the same. Um, but it does give you a chance to, it gave me a chance to get into my word. I definitely, um, became a more of a Bible reader through COVID, but to, to lose members, all that. Mm. Now you got land. Now you now you have your own. And we got land. We got we land. got land. Yeah, we got <laughs> land. We got land. That's your land too. That yeah. mean Eric, you responsible for that <laughs> land. Ain't just me. I ain't the one. I'm out here by myself. Yeah, we, we, we we got land. We <laughs> and it's crazy that you started there. Could have ended there yes. early, but you made it through. And now you fast forward. Now you're back in there to help to serve to you know bring positivity and not what you brung when you was a, a shorty or, you know, coming up as an adult. So, um, 
as we're wrapping up, give someone some advice on, you know, they from around the way, they they kind of struggling, they don't really know what angle to do go at, but how you, I think I'm going to name this, what's it, what'd you say, Sanjay said, see it to see it? Yeah, you got to see it before you can see it. See it before you can see it. How mm-hmm. can they see it before they can see it without maybe having someone to see it? Yeah, I think the, the first thing, the first thing we need to get, man, is we have to stop putting people on pedestals and putting them at the level of Christ. I think mm-hmm. he, that's his that's his position and his position alone. And then if we're able to do that, I think we'll then give people the benefit of the doubt who are further along than we are. Um, and so, and then realizing too, um, um, introspectively looking at yourself and, and self-assessment of yourself and realizing that you have trauma, you have hurt, you have disappointment, you have all this, you bring two relationships and um, own it and say the reason you're responding to some pushback from some people that may be trying to shape you and mold you and they see your hurt, they see your pain and and they see how you're responding to their challenges, their exhortations and all that other stuff. And that's just a, the, the maturation process of you growing um, in relationship with people who you need. And so um, I, I would say, man, if I had any advice for, for people who are listening to this podcast, um, go back and look at those relationships that, that, that made you who you are um, and take the positive piece from that. Not that you don't learn from the negative point. These, you, these are things you just don't want to do. I've learned that, that there's some, some leadership styles and, leader, and way of dealing with people that I felt like that wasn't how I would pastor. Um, didn't mean they were wrong in how they were pastoring. It just meant I wouldn't do that. You know, for example, no sh- no suits and ties and dress down. And um, I, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just me. I just felt like, why why would I be um, something different in church and then be something different outside of church? Mm. Right? And so why don't I just be little herb, saved, no real, full of the Holy Ghost, um, and be that burning bush that's consumed but not destroyed, mm. right? I'm consumed by God, but you still see little herb, right? And so I'm gonna be that, and um, and it's got a lot of hurt, you know. It's got a, it's, it's got me hurt, right? Because I haven't put up walls. And somebody told me once you need to have thick skin and a tender heart, because that means you're just letting people close to you. You're gonna be around people, but you know my advice to people. Uh, would be get that tough skin and a tender heart. Love hard, love well. Um, if people hurt you, that's just a part of the human experience. That's a part of that. But I think the main piece is, um, you know, take advantage of those relationships of people, as you said uh, eloquently, is that you need to, um, people who are further along than you, um, you want to start that business. People doing podcasts. People doing motivational speaking. Pastors who have bought land before, built churches. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sit down, humble <laughs> yourself, <laughs> and it may cost. You may need to pay them to do it. Um, it you may need to get them four hundred dollars to sit you down, i.e., Doctor Ricky McCray, and show you how to have an awesome um, service um, online. You know, shout out to Doctor Ricky McCray. Um, you know, the way church, right? If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had that off, awesome platform and cameras we have at our church. But 
I, he sat me down and I was able to give him some monies and uh, he shaped our, you know, our, our platform. And uh, that's my brother, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, um, and, and, and and I remember just real quick with him, uh, he telling me to shut up sometimes. He telling me to be quiet, like, listen, do this, do that, do that. And I humbled myself and received. And and um, you see what I'm saying? like, And so that's that's the thing about relationships. You got to humble yourself. You got to, um, you know, realize that they're not at the level of Christ. Don't put them there. They're not going to be perfect, just like you're not perfect. And stop breaking relationships uh, with people because they're not perfect. It, you know what I'm saying? You're you're the one you're the one hurt and got trauma and running from this because you're hurt. You know, and so no man, stick it out, stay with people, and especially the family of God, especially in this season, man. One of the things you you just said and and, and I uh, regurgitate and echo is that that's why we need the church because a lot of us have broken families and the structure of a broken family. We don't have a grandfather, great-grandfather. We don't have all these um, patriarchs, you know, in, in, in to look at. So you go to a church and you see Deacon Smith, who's 65 or some 70. He's really your grandpa now. You didn't even know that. And then you, you teach you how to barbecue, teach you how to do all this, you know what I'm saying, at the, at the cookout and all this. Next thing you know, you over here got pastor right here with kids and other kids. Now you got other kids. Them actually your cousins now. Them your brothers. And, you said this church right here yep. is actually your family you've been looking for. Yep. Right? And guess what? They're just as broken as your biological family. And so, but they have so much more to offer. Then even your biological family, you win and win it and don't even know it. And you run from that because it gets hard to grow, you know, in that space because they're going to stretch you. Right. So I'm saying stay in that thing. Be stretched. Don't break relationships um, just off of stuff you don't like from from people in particular spaces, especially church. And go ahead and grow, man. It's going to stretch. Stretching. Get get comfortable. We say in our church, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's what a lot of churches have done to some people. Uh, and they and they run from it before God can actually mature them up in the faith, so they can be awesome men and women in the faith. Definitely, definitely, and you're so right uh, about like your church family being like your family. <clears throat> Give it a little short story. As uh, a lady, she was the Sunday school lady. She was like my grandma, and her grandson would come and visit, and me and him became close friends. And as an adult, he's the reason why. I stepped into the entrepreneurial world because I seen him. I knew him from a child and I seen what he, you know, could do. And he took me around and showed me just like Willie did with you. He, he showed, you know, that one friend because we was partying. He was like, no, nah, man, partying's over. That was yesterday. Today we going to work. And he showed me the steps. And without him, I might not have went to the entrepreneurial um, field and started doing stuff just because I didn't never see it. Mm -hmm. And it was off the relationship I got at church. From his grandma. His grandma has been passed away since we've been, I think, teenagers. But we still kept that friendship, and you know we are we're still cool today. And just like with you and Willie, y'all still cool today. So um, let people know how you know they can listen to your word um, online. If you're in Indianapolis, you can come visit the church, and then um, just give 
uh, 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 encouraging word or some type of analogy that you give, like before you, you know, <laughs> before I get out there, peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, I want to encourage some folk, man. If they're looking for um, not necessarily something different, man, but just something authentic and just a, a space of transparency uh, in, a, in a space that's going to really love you um, unconditionally. Um, New Living Bible Church, that's the spot, Doc. Uh, so now we're worshiping in Claremont, Claremont Christian Church, 9204 uh, Crawfordville Road. Um, best way to get, man, to stay connected like that is go to our website, www.newlivingbiblechurch.org, um, or download our church app. So you can go get our church app, and that'll give you all the stuff where you can uh, get on Facebook and look, listen to us live. We live every Sunday on Facebook, man, so just go to our page, like it, and when we go live, it'll, it'll notify you. And uh, we're going to be excited, man, this Sunday at 1030 to do that. And uh, we'll be rolling. Yeah, man, I think uh, for me, man, I think an encouraging word, man, is really in this season. I know a lot of churches are doing a 21-day fast and they're sacrificing and, and trying to and focus and, and get in the face of the Lord. And I think of a story of Jehoshaphat, man, in Second Chronicles 20, uh, when pending invasion and danger was happening just simply because he did a reform in a nation, not, um, you know, a resolution, which is an intent, but a reformation, which is actually implementation, right? Mm -hmm. He did this and they created an attack that happened. But the text says he was afraid and he immediately turned his face to God. I think for us, man, in the season, man, of pandemics, plural, political, all this other stuff, unrest, social injustice, and even the covid um, man, we're, even though we're fearful, even though it's in a season of uncertainty and not knowing what God is going to do, people are all scattered. I think our response is not, um, when, when it's fear happening, is not to be paralyzed, but to be mobilized. Allow this season to for us to turn our faces um, back to God. And, mm. um, yeah, man, especially the folk who are born again, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other languages and all that other stuff. I think the very the, the our, our first response in this season is to turn our faces to God, and that's in prayer. And then, like you said, COVID, the pandemic made you, you postulate yourself to a space of looking at the principles of the Word of God. And so, as my man Tony Evans said, when 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 things are happening in your life, um, the best response, as I paraphrase, is to throw God's Word back up in His face. You know what I'm saying? To throw mm -hmm. God's word back up in his face. And I would say this, man. I told my son, um, I promised him um, that if he did this or did that, I would give him this on his birthday. I forgot about my promise. I forgot that I told him I would. My son came to me and said, um, Daddy, you said you would do this and that uh, on my birthday. He said, you promised. Um, because I was, I'm a man of my word. What he reminded me of and threw my promise back up in my face, I was required to do. Mm. How much more is that with a heavenly father that has made a bunch of promises? And so in order to throw God's word back up in his face, you're going to have to get face to face with God. And you're going to have to know his word so that you can throw back up in his face. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm more than a conqueror. You said you started this thing. You're going to finish it. 
You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, you gave me the ability to make wealth. You've given me creative genius. There's no respected person. If he can be a millionaire, so can I. So I'm just saying, throw that word back up in God's face and get face to face with God uh, in this season of failure and even um, just uncertainty. Hmm. If, if if you like that, that's when you, you know, go on Facebook, go on the app, New Living Bible Church, and you're not in church all day. It's not one of them where you start at 1030 and you're there to 12, you know, one o'clock. No, you get you get your worship, you get your word and you get out the door. I appreciate you for um, being on the show. Um, appreciate you. you. I, I understood in this situation. Sometimes, like you said earlier, you got to shut up. You got to listen. Like sometimes when you have someone that's a little more knowledgeable that can add value, you have to you have to listen, and that's what we got out of this conversation. You see it, and what's it? I, I can't. I, got to see it to see it. You got to see it to see it. Man, what I love about you, man. Uh, let me tell you something. This brother will take. I know he's heard a lot of no's, and no, you can't. Um, but I tell you what, man. This brother right here is major encouragement. I tell you that, man. I talk about you all the time in church and stuff. I'll be talking about you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. So, yeah, man, just just keep going, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. You ain't going to let nobody tell you no. Um, yeah, man. I'm excited for the future for you, man. Um, hey, man, just keep pressing forward, man. Greater, greater things to come. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You guys can tune in on YouTube every Wednesday at 5 p.m., Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, we're go- and iHeartRadio will be on iHeartRadio tomorrow. It takes 24 hours for them to do the process. But you can check us out on those Facebook page um, and Instagram page is Underdog Talk Podcast. If you got an encouraging story, if you want to be on the show, if you know somebody, email us at or email me at Underdog Talk Podcast. Uh, see you next week. Oh, wait, what I say? Uh, peace, one love, like my mom said. <laughs>